You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I want to introduce our special speaker here tonight. Our friend Kalenthia helped to get Circle of Hope started over 20 years ago when Circle of Hope was only one congregation and now we have multiplied to four congregations. Um, Kalenthia was part of that original group for a while. And I didn't know that at the time, but I was in college and she was one of my favorite professors. Um, she taught a class on the Apostle Paul. That's when I like felt like Paul is probably my favorite and Paul Cole. But Paul the Apostle is like my favorite Bible character, and I really fell in love with him in Calenthia's class, um, even though, you know, he's, he's a problematic guy. He's kind of a rebel. And uh, I think that describes Calenthia's spirit, too. Um, she's no stranger to suffering. She goes into difficult places. Um, she's not just an educator. She's an activist um, in HIV work. And um, she partners, she's part of kind of our Anabaptist spiritual family. She does work with MCC. If, if you don't know what Anabaptists are, they're kind of these like rebel peacemaker types that we are part of. And that's really who Calenthia is. Um, she also considers herself, or she also has been somewhat of a matchmaker because when I was in college, she kept saying to me, you know, there's this guy, Jeff Sensenig. He's a graduate student, and he's kind of cool, and I think you should pay attention, and I'm, I'm glad I did. So with no further ado, help me welcome Kalinthia. Thank you, Rachel. That, that was, um, it's always interesting to hear how people introduce you. Um, Paul, I don't even remember. I'm teaching that class. I do remember you were in my class, at least one of them, but yeah, I guess I did teach Paul. Okay, if you say so. Um, so it's good to be here. Circle of Hope, it's been a long time. I, I think 20 years, 19 years probably since I last worshiped with you. Um, and it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Thank you, Rachel, for the invitation. Um, I was just, I was in my car the other day, um, Ilyai Johnson, some of you know Ilyai? Ilyai and I were going to see uh, uh, the play Four Girls, Four Women, Four Girls, Four Women. And uh, anybody see that play? It was incredible. Ah, Jessica, all right, all right, now we get. I'll say something about Mystic Soul in a minute. A couple of Mystic Soul folk in the house. But anyway, excellent, excellent, powerful play. And we were talking, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be sharing at Circle of Hope uh, next week. And he said, oh, that's great. Um, you know, Rachel is the, the pastor over there. And I said, yeah, 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 I know. She's the one who invited me. And he said, you know, I put her and Jeff together. <laughs> So we're in the car driving to this play, having this argument over who put the two of you together. <laughs> I concede it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm old. I choose my battles. I'm just kind of like, okay, you win this one. And I actually, I think both of us probably 
you know, I at, at, at the college, I was saying to Rachel, hey, he's a good guy. And then I think you guys also connected with Ilya at church or something like that, you know. So anyway, funny, small, uh, small world. So good to be with you. Um, every I, I tell you, I'm looking around. I'm like, who do I know here anymore? And I said to Rachel, where, where are the, where, where's the old crew from 20 years ago? Everybody can't, everybody can't be dead yet. But, okay, all right, that's right, I remember, I remember. Okay, two people, I see, all right, but that's okay. Um, so it's good, that's, that means there's been new birth. That's good. That's excellent, actually. So, um, and I wanna give a shout out to Mystic Soul Philly. If you don't know who that group is, get to know get to know they're on the map. Mystic Soul Philadelphia, um, a few of them are here um, tonight. So thanks for that support. Um, you're in Lent, which is a powerful time and really in many ways the foundation of our faith, of what we say we believe. And so I wanna share some thoughts um, tonight as it relates to Lent ultimately. I'm a cultural anthropologist. I don't identify as a theologian, I do theology, we all do. I'm a cultural anthropologist and so I like stories. So we'll share some stories tonight. Let's pray. God of grace, God of light, thank you always for who you are and for how you move in the world and how you shake each one of us, how you shake the world, how you turn things upside down, cause us to look at ourselves, and to look at our world and to ask, what is my role? What is my part? Be with us tonight, in Christ's name, amen. So I'm kind of a newish dog owner. Anybody have dogs? I moved to this neighborhood, I'm, I'm in Winmore now, and everybody, I mean everybody, every neighbor has a dog. So I, um, I guess I succumbed to the peer pressure and I, I, I got a dog. She's a cute little dog. She's part Maltese and part Poodle. And she's a little bit bougie, <laughs> which I wasn't aware of. It's a rescue dog. I, I, I got her from a rescue, all right? So I, I didn't go buy a $1,000 bougie dog. I was lucky. I went to the rescue and spent a couple hundred dollars for a bougie dog. I like my dog. And one of the things that dogs force you to do is they force you to go outside a lot more often unless you like doggy dung all over your house. So I um, have to walk the dog, and fortunately I have a yard, so when I don't feel like walking the dog, we sit in the yard. So I was sitting in the yard um, just the other day, because it's been beautiful out, and I was sitting out back, playing, you know, I throw a little ball, and the dog, you know, <laughs> finally after, months, she's learned, bring it back to me. That's what I want you to do, bring it to me, I'll throw it again. So we, we did some fetching and then I um, decided I was tired. I don't know if the dog was tired, but I was tired. So I sat down uh, to rest on my little deck. And while I was sitting there, I noticed that my tulip leaves, yep, I'm that person, I can't believe it, were starting to come up in the dirt, but also even through the cracks where I had put some, uh, I some big stones, some small stones, you know, doing some stonework. 
Well, I noticed there was this really resilient little tulip, it's gonna be when it comes up, this resilient leaf that was coming up through the stones, through the big stones and little stones still, through that, some leaves were coming. And I was like, wow, look at that. Spring, it's happening. It's happening in the dirt. It's happening through the concrete. So I sat there and I kind of looked at that and I thought, wow, it's really beautiful. Particularly that the leaves that were coming up through the concrete and it took me back to an old hip hop poem, one of my favorite rappers. You might know this poem uh, by Tupac Shakur about the rose that grew from concrete. The rose that grew from concrete. It's a short poem. Did you hear? about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete. Proving nature's law is wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Funny it seems, but by keeping its dreams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else ever cared. Tupac Shakur. I think when Tupac looked at that, when, tu when Tupac wrote that poem, and as I was looking at the tulip that was growing up through the cracked concrete, I was thinking about resilience, but I was also thinking about disruption. Disruption. Tupac's rose, I think, represented his own disruptive life, but also the beauty of a life that was disrupted in many ways. The lines again, proving nature's law wrong, walking without having feet, breathing fresh air, living life when no one even cared. Tupac's life was a life of beautiful disruption, a life that wasn't really meant to be in many ways and a life that ended far too short like rap music and hip-hop, and I'm an old, old school hip-hop head. I mean, we're talking original. When I say old school, I don't mean the 90s. I'm talking the original stuff. So I'm an old, old head. <laughs> I love when the kids in the street call me, oh, hey, oh, hey, old head. <laughs> so like rap music and like hip-hop, springtime is also disruptive. Spring is a disruptive act. Those leaves coming through the concrete was a disruptive act. New life sprouting up amongst the dead of winter, staring death in the face and coming alive. And something about spring also feels good, right? The sun, I don't know, the smells, something feels really good. Spring is a welcomed disruption. Here's the thing we think about the word disruption. Generally, when we hear about disruptions, when we, when we, when we think about the word disruption, we don't think of anything that's life-giving, right? We think of disruption as something problematic. 
this is disrupting my time, disrupting my life. Disruption is an interruption, an interference, disorder, turmoil, conflict, disruption. An act or behavior that disrupts what is calm, what is peaceful, what is orderly and structured. Disruption is, it has the effect of destabilizing. It is a destabilizing act. People were outside my house, I, I live in the suburbs. I, I don't know why, but that's why I, I do live there. I bought the house, so I'm gonna hang out a little while. Well, that's South Philly. I, 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 yeah, how'd you know I lived, I don't know who said that, but I did live in South Philly for a minute. But I, I live in the burbs, and so there were some noisy people outside the house, and several of my neighbors came out, and, and the word they were throwing around was, what is this disruption? They're disrupting the peace. What's going on? Let's call the police. I'm like, wow, we call the popo. So we call the police, they call the police. Everybody's filled with anxiety, right, because there's disruption. And uh, the, the police come, Springfield Township Police, they're really nice, right? <laughs> and they come quickly. That wouldn't happen in the city, right? But you get this idea of disruption. It's just one example of a, a real disruption. Or we're trying to have an orderly meeting, right? Don't you love meetings? We're trying to have a meeting. We're sitting around the table. We're making plans. I've been on boards. I was on the board at a... Uh, uh, Goshen College for a while out in Indiana, one of our <laughs> Mennonite schools. And, uh-oh, uh we got a Goshen grad. Oh, okay, oh, all right. Um, and we would, I love this, I just loved it. We'd be having our orderly board meetings. And students, this is when students were fighting for their LGBT faculty. So we'd be having our orderly meetings and every time we were there, the meetings were disrupted with students coming, singing. Mennonites sing when they protest. <laughs> they didn't throw stones at us, they sang to us. I loved it. And they'd be outside the door, where's our LGBT faculty? Where's our LGBT faculty? It was, it was wonderful. But they were disrupting our meeting. And some people in the board meeting were a little ruffled by that. But more power to the students. Eventually, and with the right people on the board, they got their way. They have LGBT faculty at Goshen. They probably don't talk about it a lot, but they're there. So, and again, another example of disruption. Or a couple of years ago, I, I went down to, remember the, the group Power? They're still around. Uh, they decided they were going to lay down in the street on South Broad and Patterson, not too far from here, and block traffic, lay our bodies down in the street and block traffic when a football game was letting out. Oh, wow. And we hoped, I was there, we hoped that the cars wouldn't run over us and kill us. We hoped. And there were a couple hundred of us. And at the sound of the, the bing, we all lay down in the street. And the car stopped. Nobody got killed that night. We were okay. We decided we were going to disrupt order, disrupt things so that our voices would be heard. It was, uh, I felt, talk about feelings and disruption. That was a scary disruption because, you know, I thought any minute 
some crazy fool is going to decide to just, I'm going to run them over. And somebody might get killed tonight. And praise God that didn't happen. But it was the rush of the experience. The fear uh, was very palpable. It was real. We were disruptors that night. So we think of, you know, if you're on the other side of that, you think of disruption as something that's, it's, this is in the way of my life. This is stopping me from getting to the other side of Broad Street. It's a disruption. But I offer to you that disruptions can be good and can be healthy and can be regenerative. Disruption as something good. Tupac's rose growing through concrete. That was a good disruption. Tupac's life, I believe, a good disruption, if we were to call it that, right? Some disruption is necessary. A belch is a disruption. <laughs> I used to be able to belch on cue. But it's a disruption, right? Because you know how you feel when you can't get that belch out. It hurts. But as soon as you belch and breathe, ah, doggone, that's a good disruption. That's a necessary <laughs> disruption. We need to belch. There's research on that. We need to belch. The body feels good after a belch. <laughs> All right, this one I'll take a stab at since we were just talking, with, talking about Jeff and Rachel. Falling in love is a disruption. Mm. <laughs> Can you remember the first time? I realize some of us have been in love many times. But can you remember the first time you were in love where it just kind of snuck up on you? Love. And if you've never been in love, ah, you're not missing anything. <laughs> but I remember I was 20 years old. This is the first time I felt something. I had boyfriends. Well, this is the first time I felt something. 20 years old, I met a guy at summer camp. We were working at camp. We were in college. His name was Tyrone. And I said, I'm going to call Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was cute. He was a sweet sugar baby <laughs> with freckles and just the sweetest, sweetest guy. Met at summer camp and fell in love. And, and I felt that thing in my body. Every time I was around Tyrone, my, I get butterflies in my stomach. I was like, oh my God, he makes me so nervous. What is this? I felt the disruption of love and that doggone thing changes the course of your life for a little while. Maybe, maybe longer. Tyrone and I didn't get married. Tyrone actually died a couple years ago. He was, he had, he was suffering from um, post 9-11. He was a rescue. Um, he was doing some of the rescues on 9-11. But Tyrone really captured my heart and I felt it in my entire body. Something new was being birthed because Calinthia was in love. Alinthia was in love. So those are, I think those are some good disruptions. Love's a good thing, I think we'd agree. Those are good disruptions. Disruptions send shockwaves. We feel disruptions. We feel it in our very bodies. So as I said, I, I, my, my PhD is in cultural anthropology. 
I gave up theology after seminary. I said, it's enough of that. <laughs> and I, I went and got another master's degree and, and then became an anthropologist. Because God's people frustrated me. And one of the things that frustrated me about God's people, which I'm a part of, was the diversity piece. I've spent my life trying to understand at more than surface levels diversity, particularly as it relates to God's church. Why don't we worship together more? Why does our culture, I, I get it, I, I love culture. Culture is a beautiful thing. We should celebrate our culture, but there should be something that should still bring us together beyond culture. Why is it that our cultural uh, realities keep us apart? Those are the kinds of questions that I've had for the last 20 years of my life, and I can't say I'm closer to any answers, quite frankly. But I do read a lot of diversity theory. I read a lot of the diversity theory, and one of the things that did click with me was when I was reading about diversity in the workplace. Diversity in the workplace. And here's something that made sense to me. The research goes something like this. It says, just like individuals and organizations prefer, prefer stability and even seek stability of structure and meaning, we all seek some stability in our lives, um, we like knowing what's happening, we like predictability, we like power, and we like control. When left to our own devices, organizations, and we've seen this, will say we value diversity, and I believe people do. We value diversity, we love it. However, well, they'll say, we're gonna have some meetings, and we're gonna put together a strategic plan about how to make our congregation more diverse if we're talking about a church, right? We're gonna put some stuff together to figure out how we can do this. So people will meet, they'll talk about it, they'll put together plans, but nothing changes. Nothing changes. And what the theory says is what needs to happen is a disruption. Unless there is disruption, something happening, something that people can feel, we won't do anything. And I, I'm, not a, I'm not a therapist, but they claim that even in behavioral therapy, that change occurs when people are disrupted into feeling something. Then change occurs. And so the same thing for organizations, same thing for churches. Like these, um, well, if you desire diversity or any transformative action within an organization, you have to deliberately create instability. That doesn't sound right, right? We have to deliberately create instability. We have to create an, a, a, a disruption. And that is what we all resist. That is what we resist. No one, no organization, no church wants to be disruptive. The theory says that there has to be disruption before people can come together to create something new. And it makes sense. I don't know if you know, you heard of, you've heard of, uh, um, darn, his name just popped out of my head. Uh, the African-American, Frederick Douglass. 
Frederick Douglass says a lot of things, but Frederick Douglass said, agitate, agitate, agitate. We can flip that to say, disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. You've got to feel it. So the lectionary, and I'm almost done because I know you guys like one-hour services. <laughs> the lectionary passages for Lent this week actually points to some of this disruption. I'm just going to look at Isaiah 43, 16 to 21, and highlight a couple of verses in there. Thus says the Lord, the one who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. God disrupted the sea, opened the sea so that his children could go through. That is a disruption of nature. Who opens an ocean? That's a disruption. Some of that other passage goes, and this is hopeful. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a new I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God says, if you want this new thing, there has to be disruption. You go through the disruption to reach that something new, to reach that transformation, to reach that wholeness that many of us are looking for. There's some great verses in Philippians chapter 3 as well that talks about the newness in Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what Christ has took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the one who has called me. We are in Easter celebration week, looking at the passion of Christ. All throughout Easter, the death, the resurrection, is disruption. Those aren't normal, everyday common occurrences. They are God disrupting human history to make a difference. God disrupts human history to transform God's people to something new. If you're not willing to take a hold of this disruption, to be uncomfortable, doggone it, to be uncomfortable, then you're not ready for God's transformative work in the earth and not ready for God's transformative work in you. Disruption is good. Agitate, disrupt. Agitate, disrupt. It's okay. We can get through it. We can get through it. Luke 24. Right after Christ was killed, Christ was killed and had not yet ascended, he appeared to several people. He appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he talked with them, but they didn't know it was him. Remember that? They didn't know who this guy was who was talking to them. He went to their home, one of their homes with them, 
and even broke bread with them, ate food with them. When suddenly, after something Jesus said, they looked at him and suddenly they recognized, it's Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Poof, he disappears. Talk about disruption. <laughs> Jesus disappears. And they both look at each other. And they say what? Did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us? As he spoke, they felt it. They knew that they were with the crucified Savior. Does your heart burn within you? Do you know that you're with God? Is your heart burning? Are you feeling the power of the resurrected Christ? And what you going to do about it? What are you going to do about disruption and transformative acts in your community where you are? Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.